Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that will never get tired by Christmas, or at any other point. We're going to power through the whole season, you know, like, no back-to-backs for us, um, no fatigue. I'm Tim Cato, I write and talk about the Mavericks, we've got Saad Youssef, who, uh, you're a frequent, uh, albeit not recent, guest of this show, and, you know, our... Stars writer, stars beat writer for the Dallas Stars beat writer for the Athletic, but still someone who is very tied into the DFW landscape, I would say. And uh, we're just going to talk about the past two games that the Mavericks lost: two two defeats, two back to back defeats that um, looked troubling and concerning and worrisome. I think worrisome is a good word for this. Um, you know, before I start laying out everything, big picture thoughts. What you know, you watched those last two games, Sod. What do you think, and, and what do you think of the season so far? Yeah, I think you know that. Like, I, I think my biggest takeaway is is uh, even I underestimated how much they would miss Jalen Brunson, and that's not to say that I dismissed Jalen Brunson's departure, but I think when you look at what he brought, and along with Spencer Dinwiddie and Luca, where you almost always had two playmakers on the floor at the same time, and you it wasn't falling. Uh, the burden wasn't falling on any one person um, when they were on the floor. And I think that's been the biggest takeaway for me. Um, obviously, the the buyer's remorse, I would say, has set in for me with JaVale McGee. Um, I, I don't think I'm alone in that. But, that, but how much I thought... I didn't have high expectations for McGee in the first place, so for him to not pan out, not not the worst thing in the world. If if Christian Wood looked the way JaVale McGee did, I think there'd be a whole world of more problems. But I think for me, it's just really been the lack of playmaking, and and, and it's fallen so much on Luca um, when it comes to the dependability to score, but also the dependability to create. And they're creating a lot less wide open shots. I think it's four or five less wide open shots um this year than they were last year or something of that sort and so um for me it's been the it it, it, it's not something that you have to look up in a statistical database you can see it when you watch them play on the floor there's just less space there's less playmaking and uh and i i think you know the departure of brunson and not doing anything to fix that fill that has is kind of shining yeah, and I, th- I think you're right. You know, we talked a lot about, um, you know, it's something that I thought about a lot this summer was the idea that Spencer Dinwiddie is not a one-for-one replacement with Jalen Brunson. Even though Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, even in these two losses the Mavericks just suffered, he was fantastic in both games. He is he is not a one-to-one in what he provides in terms of, you know, just like really control and tempo setting of the offense, uh, you know, an ability to replicate what Luka does. Uh, without it always having to be Luca, you know, creating, you know, the structure and this tempo that the Mavericks run at and operate on. And, you know, uh, you know, last season we talked a lot about how Jalen Brunson was very, um, you know, redundant is strong, but he had, like some of his skill set mirrored and replicated Luca's exact skill set. And it was you know, I even theorized or, or, you know, on this podcast I've talked about, maybe maybe that's a sign that they won't miss him as much because, you know, in some ways Dinwiddie is a better fit next to Luca as a player. And, and I think what we're seeing is that 
Brunson's ability to take some of that tempo and some of that uh, tone setting, you know, tone setting isn't, isn't even quite right. You know, just the ability to, you know, run the offense at the tempo that Luca wants to run it, um, you know, methodically and deliberately, you know, setting, taking screens, uh, you know, forcing defenses to, you know, out of their preferred shape and then getting the ball movement that we saw so effectively last season, get getting that humming ball movement around, you know, the perimeter moving. Spencer Dinwiddie is absolutely a, you know, he's been great this season. He's, you know, been, you know, outside of Luka, he's been the, you know, the most exceptional player for the Mavericks thus far. His role in this on this team is very clear. His role on the team is not replacing Jalen Brunson. And I think that aspect of that is is something that we've seen to be missing for the Mavericks, um, you know, especially in the in the in the Wednesday loss to Orlando and, and the Thursday loss uh, to to Washington. Yeah, and I think this is this is something that we've been talking about with the Mavericks for as long as I've covered the team dating back to like 2015. And that thing being playing players in their roles, in the role that they're supposed to be, right? Like I, I always use this example as as just one um Quinn Cook is is the example that I always kind of come back to because Quinn Cook was used as like a starter or like a like top six player, seven player when he was in Dallas. And he like he wasn't good, but then he went to Golden State, and he was fine in his role because he was an end of the bench type guy, which is exactly what he should be. And so I kind of always use that as an example, where you know we were talking about this last year in the playoffs as well. If if you're analyzing a playoff game and you're like, you know what, Maxi Kleba didn't show up, so they had no chance. Well, if Max, if you're winning. If you're winning and losing is riding all on Maxi Kleba, then then you're in a bad spot. Like like the other teams that you're competing with, they're winning and losing is riding on Steph, Clay, Draymond, Jordan Poole. Like you have this these guys who are playing designated roles, and I think like you know forget just the caliber of player, but like you said, it's it's even the role that they're playing. Brunson next to Dinwiddie, Doncic next next to Dinwiddie. Um, I thought I, I also think that just you know there's going to be at some point there's going to be things that settle in where Luca's numbers, efficiency, all that stuff is going to come down just because he's so tired and he's not going to be able to maintain it. So before the Mavericks played Washington, uh, Jason Kidd was talking about how Luka Doncic might burn out or you know just run out of steam by Christmas, which is a you know. The stakes of you know what he's saying there is is quite massive for at this point of the season. Um, you know, I'm not even sure I totally agree, um, but but I agree broadly with his point that they're asking so much of Luca that this is not probably going to be sustainable for 82 for an 82 game season. Uh, after the game, Luca talked about how you know he felt exhausted, how he felt tired, and, and that was something that impacted him. You know, in his, you know, he had he had the nine game streak of starting the season with 30 plus, obviously uh, had sub 30 point games in, in both losses. Uh, and he talked about feeling fatigued. Um, he talked to, you know, he looked like more than just, you know, nine games of fatigue wearing on him. And it certainly I would hope so. The Mavericks had a lot of time in between their their schedules. They had a lot of two days, uh, two day breaks between games. Um, you know, they have not had a particularly difficult schedule thus far for a lot of reasons also in the players that they've missed you know the 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 opponent the the opponents and how many starters have been absent in, in many of these games 
um, it, I mean, it almost looked like Luca was sick or something, you know, or, or that, you know, like there, there was there was something very weird about his two performances that that I, I, I'm not willing to say was completely fatigued. That said, this is definitely a moment where we're thinking a lot about the workload that he's taking on. You know, maybe it's even like a mental block of just how much he's had to deal with, just how many different looks teams have thrown at him. And he is the only person, you know, able to, you know, completely and, and you know, consistently solve these schemes, even when it's, you know, six to eight different looks that teams are using every game, boxes and ones, you know, two, three zones, one, three, one zones, uh, you know, every form of pick and roll coverage that you can imagine. And and, and so, you know, there, there there is this moment that, that everybody is, you know, kind of collectively around Mavericks media and even national media saying, can Luca keep doing this? And what if he can't? And look, the answer is that Luca will keep doing this. He's he's going to play great on Saturday against Portland. Like I, I would I would, you know, bet any amount of money on it. Um and he's gonna be great from now until Christmas. But when we're talking about the long term and when we're also talking about any time that he were to miss, yeah, there's re- very, very real concerns about how this team on any game that Luca is just not quite up to his usual standards, which more often than not he will be, or that he misses, um, I, I don't know what the team is really supposed to do with without him, just because of how much they're relying on him. Yeah, I think two things on that. One, to your point about in his absence, remember that entire playoff run began with Jalen Brunson in Luka Doncic's absence being able to bear basically carry an entire series. So I think that's one thing. And two, I, I think you put it best in your in your article recently. Third highest usage rate in league history. That is what he's on pace for. That's not third highest usage rate of the last decade of you know of of this season. It's league history. Like this is like historically crazy what he's doing in terms of how he's playing or how and much to put it he's in playing. perspective the, the the two instances of somebody you know a player having a higher usage rate it's james harden i believe the 2017-18 season when the rockets were you know doing what they did uh and and almost that was that the year no it was the previous year that they almost knocked off golden state um and, and then it was russell westbrook in his mvp year and those are yeah. the only two and those to be honest like those were players also that were deeper into their NBA career and quite frankly better conditioned than Luca ever has been even with Luca coming into the season you know in really good shape I'm not by any means trying to demean him I'm just saying that if you're going to have a usage rate if you're going to bear uh, the responsibility of a team and an offense to the sheer capacity that Luca is doing this season you have to be like the point one percentile of of conditioning and athletic shape i don't think luca's quite there and so yeah i I absolutely do believe that he is you know already this soon into the season feeling a little tired even if i think that for the most part you know he's still going to play great and that this is a bigger 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 picture question that we're dealing with about for how many games this is sustainable and what is the team going to look like come february and march yeah, and I also think the the other big picture element, just not not even in terms of his burnout, but I, I think I, I think 
it's a it's a fair concern to also just have in the back of your mind about these overuse injuries that do come about, right? Like you saw Kevin Durant, Kobe. I remember when Kobe uh, tore his Achilles, like it was because he was playing an insane amount that year, and you know he was older, and it's and it's different circumstances. But but I'm just saying in general, even I'm saying this is your franchise player for the next decade. You just want to make sure you're not hitting any of these bumps at any point. You don't want to be kind of just you know taking that for granted. So. I, I think there's definitely stuff on this roster that, that like, it's not even, you know, I, you, we always talk about how you allocate blame. Like, am I going to blame Reggie Bullock for the way that he's playing? I, why would you expect him to play any, like, differently or too differently than the way he is? Like, he needs to play better, but th- this is kind of who he is. Am I going to blame Jason Kidd? You know, maybe he's not the best chef right now, but he hasn't been given the groceries. And so I think for me, like, it really comes down to roster construction. And and I think they they have to do something um, where, you know, the, the, the roster gets better before you start blaming Jason Kidd. You know, I I was there that game, uh, you know, when they blew that improbable lead and, and, uh, and you know, Kidd kind of threw Christian Wood under the bus after the game. And that was weird. But, like, generally speaking, I haven't had – like major major concerns with kid this year as much as i've had more with what the roster looks like i'll say this it's i don't want to have this conversation again that that we've you know on this podcast i've been having uh in in written work um you know just about the the brunson decision and more specifically the third ball handler decision but if neither of those past two games are games that facundo Campazzo is going to play in like, what is the point of him on the roster? You know, if neither of those two games, you know, if he is only here to hypothetically fill in for, you know, when one of the ball handler misses times, it was so clear the past two games that they were missing, you know, more, you know, they were missing a third ball handler, uh, you know, a third ball handler in the rotation. And yeah. if, if you can't use him for that, then... I really think they they erred on on that signing. You know, I, I really really think that you know you they they should have targeted somebody more substantial for that role, and that could be fixed and that will be a priority at some point this year. Um, you know, whether they are able to get it done, uh, we're going to see. But but absolutely, I, I can tell you that you know the Mavericks are are you know they're. They have a smart front office staff that can recognize, you know, this team's problems and, and you know, looking to add a third ball line. There is, uh, you know, something I feel pretty confident that they're they're probably already thinking about, you know, with the way the team is going. You know, a third ball handler who can play rotation minutes, who can join. Join the rotation when Luca and Spencer are, are both in there, you know, not just somebody to, to fill in in an emergency. But um, that that's what those last two games needed very badly. Yeah. This was a decision that was made and, and, you know, the rather than trying to get one of those players with the mid-level, they went for JaVale McGee. And even even from even since the summer, one question that we've asked is not is JaVale McGee going to be good or not? Because, quite frankly, I'm very surprised he looks this poor even, you know, but but the the questions I had about the signing, about the logic of the signing were, you know, not even about how he would look, you know, it was is that the right place to spend money on an upgrade if yeah. Jalen Brunson is is leaving? And obviously at that point, they knew he was. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I agree with everything. I I think you know you're more plugged into this than than I am at this point. And like and so I, for me, what I'm curious about is how the front office goes about this because when it was Donnie, you knew that it was probably going to be a trade. That's just kind of how he. That's just kind of how the Mavericks operated in business. Was they upgraded through trades basically throughout his entire tenure. Um, you know, you have to look at what assets you have, what route you're going to go. And so that's one thing that I'm kind of like, you know, curious about with this front office, which is still relatively fresh in its tenure is kind of how you go about that. And do you even have anything? Do you have much that you can give up in in that way to upgrade the roster? Right. So I I was told that Campazzo was somebody they had kind of circled in um, or wrote in pencil for some time before the season started you know we're, we're talking at least weeks months you know so, something in, in that capacity and and the reason that the signing took as long as it did is because the mavericks wanted to see if there were other players you know around the league that were waived or you know available that would better fit that fifth 15th roster spot that they liked better than Campazo. very clearly uh no such player existed or you know uh, you know was you know became a free agent what was available and so, you know, if the Mavericks right now feel that those players didn't become available, I, I, I don't see any scenario where, you know, all of a sudden they're going to change their mind and there is going to be somebody that they like better for that 15th roster spot that they would trust more, that, that you know, that they would use uh, in a more meaningful role than what Campazzo has not been used for thus far. Maybe they still see it differently. I, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, the other option is that, the Mavericks start changing their offense a little bit, and and that they they make a a you know a a more of a point to involve Christian Wood in the same way that you know last season before Chris Porzingis was traded, you know Porzingis had his own share of the offense, and and he was a bit you know he was more part of this offense than you know Christian Wood ha- has been thus far, and we've talked you know I've talked about this again. It, it's because these things were foreseeable, you know, to some degree, you know, th- yeah. this isn't stuff that has come out of nowhere. And, and, and that's what makes this, this tricky. I had a lot of cautious optimist, optimism, you know, before the season started that, that it would work out, that the reasons the Mavericks thought it would work out, uh, had some logic to them. And, and I think it had some logic to it. Um, but, but the, you know, the flip side, the counter arguments were always very clearly there. And, you know what we're seeing is is those concerns and and those fears, um, you know, within games. You know, even even five games into the season, you know, there was concerns after the Mavericks, you know, had that historic loss to Oklahoma City, and now eleven games into the season, these these same fears and concerns are are you know coming up. So yeah, the only way I really see this uh, being something that could be fixed is through trade, and you know, I, I don't think the Mavericks would or should. You know, package a first round pick, you know, for upgrades this season. I, I still think they're going to win a decent number of games. I think Luka Doncic will be very good. Uh, I, I think that you know, even if this team had it had a again a historic loss, uh, an unprecedented loss to Oklahoma City, you know, they're looking better at you know seven and four rather than six and five right now. Um, you know, but but all that is all that to be said. Yeah, this this team, if, if it can find a deal that can be done. 
um, you know, for somebody who would make more sense. Or I don't know if Frank Nilakina, like who they threw out there and, and looked terrible. And, you know, he I, I shouldn't say that he, he he did not have a good first cameo, but it was four minutes. Um, but we even talked about this all offseason. Frank Nilakina is not going to be the player that saves them. And so, you know, whatever whatever the solution is, it's very clear that they need more shot creation on the court, um, you know, for certain games. And they can win when Luca's as good as he was through the first nine. Um, but the question is going to be that sometimes he will not be that good. And the answer to that question cannot be that the Mavericks are going to lose twice miserably back to back against teams that are missing, you know, multiple starters and, you know, are not teams that are on, you know, the, the, the peak of the NBA, the, the, the top talent of the NBA. These are middling average teams that Dallas is supposed to be better than. And both of them were missing starters and Dallas lost both of, both of them. And they lost them in a really disheartening fashion. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I and and I think you know that the one thing I would say is like even Christian Wood not playing like that doesn't discount the fact that like you know overall those teams are not teams that the Mavericks should be losing to. And if you're gonna put up put up one stinker, that's fine, but you can't put up two in a row. Um, and like you know, I know you guys have talked about this on the podcast, and this is a whole topic for a different day. But it's just like I think it's just more about calibrating expectations as well, just for this team. You know, like like I understand they were Western Conference Finals and all that stuff, but you 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 have to really get. I, I don't know. Like I I will say that like you know I've watched a lot of basketball, watched a lot of Mavericks basketball. I think. I knew the loss of Jalen Brunson was going to hurt, but you're just seeing it manifest itself in a lot more ways than I think I expected even for this to look this season. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if there was one expectation that I that I really tried to emphasize coming into the season, it's that I thought this season would be fun. Yeah. Because any season when you have Luka Doncic should be fun. And for Luka to not be having fun, to not be fun to watch uh, for a couple games in a row, to you know, be saying that that he is tired and fatigued and exhausted this early on, that that's not fun. That sucks. You know, that that's not how, you know, at, at minimum, you you know, the the goal of the team should be, you know, making it easier for him and, and better for him. And, you know, if, if even if it's a transitionary year, which it is, and this team, you know, is not a title contender, uh, the idea that Luca has to exert this much for this team to be you know, even, you know, one game over 500 right now uh, is not a good sign. And so it's up to the Mavericks to figure out a stopgap solution to that. And, you know, I expect them to try and we'll see what they're able to, to do with that. So on that note, you know, I think we're just going to wrap it up here. We're going to, you know, just kind of a tight focused episode on, on you know, kind of this, these dilemmas and these fears and these worries that, that we saw come up from these games. But, um, you know, the Mavericks play on Saturday and they play on Tuesday. And I, I would be surprised if, you know, things don't feel better by, you know, around this time next week, um, you know, just in how they look and, and how much fun, you know, it looks like they're having. Um, but these are concerns that have to be addressed. So on that yeah, note. Yeah, and they're, they're on a home stretch. So hopefully that helps right. too. Exactly. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca. Big Dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future, it tears me apart.
apart Don't fight the future Please be nice to Luca Future four-time MVP